Welcome to the Kerrville Bible Church Podcast. Listen in as our pastoral staff and occasional guests discuss a variety of topics from the Bible and other sources during our weekly staff meeting. Now, here's Chris McKnight with this week's discussion. Well, hello, this is Pastor Chris, and we are going to begin a three-week uh, series today in our podcast to uh, introduce further and to get let you know better our lay elders, uh, Carson Conklin, Thad Chambers, and Ken Johnson. And uh, eldership is a big deal at Kerrville Bible Church. We take a long time before someone is installed as an elder, and it's a, it's a weighty responsibility and um, involves a lot of time and effort and prayer and blood, sweat, and tears. And uh, and so uh, we, we just want to highlight that in the next three weeks in these podcasts and, um, and give you a chance to hear directly from uh, our three elders. And so the other part of this is, uh, and the reason I'm hosting today, uh, is I'm going to be uh, hosting the interview with Carson Conklin. And uh, just as a reminder to our church, all of our church members are assigned to an elder, well, all of the elders are assigned to an elder because we're church members too, That's right. and we were sheep before we were mm-hmm. shepherds. And so, all of us, we have six elders right now, and we're all paired up. And so, Carson and I are paired up as each other's shepherds, and um, Toby is with Ken Johnson, and he'll host uh, Ken next week, Lord willing, and then Scott is with Thad Chambers, and uh, he'll host uh, the week after. So... Um, Basically, I'm going to ask most of the questions today, and I've told these guys, if there's time, they get one question each. <laughs> oh, boy. That was not what we agreed to. <laughs> yes. But y'all get to apply the same rules. He, he changed the goalposts on us. <laughs> Move, That's right. Moving the goalposts. All right. All stick, Carson no Conklin is with us, so let me just introduce him a little bit. He's married to Lindsay. Uh, he is a uh, father of William, Jackson, and McKenna, and uh, lives here in town, close by. Um so we're going to start on a lighthearted note, just because I know you're a really serious guy. I want to have some fun here with you. So as we begin, tell us your age, height, and weight. Age, height. I am 41 years old. I am six foot two, and currently 195 pounds post-holiday eating. So solid. Like to solid. like to lose a couple of those. That's pretty pretty consistent there. How, so. how much weight did you gain over the holidays? About Coaching? five pounds, maybe six. Wow. Yeah, yeah I'm happy wow. if I'm right, if right I'm, there with you. If I'm just under that 190 number, then I'm like, I can eat a Whataburger and not feel bad about it. But uh, <laughs> if it starts to trend up toward that 200 threshold, then it's time to back off for a while. So that's it. All right. Excellent. And Chris brought cookies today. And yeah, Chris brought chocolate peanut butter cookies. But if you're going to eat cookies, eat them early in the day. That's right. Get ahead, get ahead of the curve. So the calories. when did you graduate high school and from where? Oh man, uh, 1997 from Crowley High School, so south uh, south part of Fort Worth. All right, and what was your GPA? <laughs> oh dear, <laughs> four point what? Oh, I can't even remember what my GPA was. Which uh, it, I I was in the top ten percent, which got me into A and M. I don't remember right. if I actually even okay. had that back then, but. All right. I did all right in high school. So. And graduated from A and M. Yes, and I was class of two thousand and one. All right, and uh, graduated from A and M with a degree in construction science. And so. your GPA from A and M? Oh, I, I think three point six something. I know you know this. Yeah. All right, that'll be that's yeah. <laughs> excellent. Good work. Along the lines of continuing to have fun with you, right. Carson, oh, uh, who is your favorite Alabama player of all time? Oh wow, that's. Uh, that's an interesting question, Chris. Yes, it is. 
I would have to say my favorite Alabama player of all time would be A.J. McCarron because he threw an interception to our cornerback who cut across and intercepted the ball out of the end zone, Everett, uh, to allow the Aggies to win in 2012 in Tuscaloosa. <laughs> You, you did turn game. it. That was uh, too short. That was a that great was, game. That was very good. So I got to play fair then. Who was your Who's your favorite Aggie of all time? Oh man, uh, I would say Stephen McGee was a lot of fun to watch. And oh. uh, good high character guy. Um, beat the that small correctional school in Austin a couple of times, and uh, <laughs> he's uh, he was a good fun player to watch. The correctional school at Austin. The small correctional school. Yeah. yeah, it's a remedial college. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Yeah, for wayward souls. <laughs> Ken will have to set us straight next week on, right. on those I, issues. I set that on a tee for him. All right. Um, well, turning on a more serious note, uh, mm-hmm. and I gave you a heads up of this question, so mm-hmm. it's going to be challenging. The hardest question of the day, sure. your testimony in three minutes. Ah, all right. <laughs> well, I was very blessed uh, to be born into a family that honored God, honors God, um, and taught the Bible from as early as I can remember. Uh, my mom would read to us. We Conversations around the dinner table would involve um, God, God's Word, Bible stories. Um, grew up in the church, uh, Sunday school. The, the, the church, by the way, was a Bible church and very much, as in my childhood, was a very similar to Kerrville Bible Church is today. Wow. It's now probably four or five times the size and it's grown. Um, but that was really my background and experience. I prayed with my mom when I was eight years old in their bedroom and asked Christ to be my Savior. I will admit that I really don't know that I was saved that day because I didn't feel dramatically different. There wasn't a conversion as an adult experience can be where things were dramatically changed or you know, sin patterns in my life suddenly shifted. But um, that was... Uh, at an early age, and then grew up in the church, was very active in our youth group. Um, and so I look back and say, well, when when did, if it wasn't then on that day, when did conversion really occur? And I know that there were there was fruit in my life, uh, and I don't mean the things that I did or achieved. What I mean is um, belief, mm-hmm. uh, understanding of God, of who He is, of His plan for redemption for mankind. Um in in um, really in middle school into high school, and then uh, cons- consistent into college. After college was a time of really drifting away, um, and not in outward sense. I cared way too much about uh, reputation and appearances, um, but really just a very dry time spiritually, and it led to um, really some some shock as to how when I finally was shown how far away I had drifted mm-hmm. and God's grace in revealing that and uh, bringing me back really was through this church and some young men at the time, now they're all my age, uh, <laughs> uh, but guys like Keith Gregory and Charlie Givens, Michael Hawkins, um, and seeing what God was doing in their lives and comparing that to what wasn't happening in mine mm-hmm. uh, was really convicting. And then getting involved in this church, I guess back in about 2012, Um, was really a turning point um, and a very sharp and consistent turning point um, in my life. And then that 
obviously translated into marriage and family being the same. So that's one of the reasons why um, I and we, our family, feel so um, devoted to Kerrville Bible Church mm-hmm. because of what it's meant to us. Right. So. right. so you've been here about eight years mm-hmm. then as a, as a member. Mm-hmm. And how long, when did you become an elder? What, you remember what year that was? Oh, let's see. It would have been in 2017, 18 okay. maybe. Okay. Yeah, so, it's been two and a half years, something like that. The okay. process was a while, so right. trying to divide between you right. know attending meetings and going through the training, which is about a year, right. to then actually being installed as an elder. Right, kind of bleeds together a little bit, mm-hmm. but uh, so two to two yeah. to three years. So you're still the you're still the newest elder. Oh, uh, well, Scott would be. Yeah. yeah. So well, yeah, it's a little slight technicality there. Right. The, yeah. yeah. Right. I still take the minutes. That's so. right. That's what yeah, I'm that's thinking. Right. So yeah. you're still the, the low man on the dumbbell. That's, right. that's it. So I'm the low man, which is which is fitting. It's you do a great job with the minutes, so. by the way. So speaking of being an elder, how do mm. you juggle work, family, and being an elder? I just do a mediocre job at all of them. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's difficult, honestly. Uh, no surprise. And it was discussed during the consideration and the process on both sides. Um it's a challenge. You something has to give at times, um, and then seeing what God does through that. Some of my own personal interests have had to go to the wayside, um, and then there's times when one thing takes over and gets more attention to the sacrifice of another, and then you have to balance those out. So I have a very patient, understanding wife. Um, try to be more strategic about um, how time is spent with. Uh, following up with people, um, preparing for, you know, teaching and Sunday school classes and elder decisions and meetings and those things. Um, but uh, it's a process on even learning what things to set aside and what's really important. So, right, mm-hmm. right. Something you said right there just struck me is mm-hmm. that there's some dying to self. I think in becoming an elder, setting aside some personal pursuits that are fun or enjoyable, but not necessarily uh, essential, you know, mm-hmm. given your season of life, you mm-hmm. know, with three kids in the house still and full-time job and all that. So, yeah, that's definitely, I think, part of the path. Um, tell us something uh, most of the people of KBC doesn't know about Carson Conklin. Oh, man. Well, I did listen in... In an attempt to prepare to the other <laughs> podcasts, which I've really enjoyed, by the way, um, those have just been really uh, special to listen to. When not, we did our interviews, not only y'all's interviews, yeah. but even just the whole podcast yeah. as a whole. But uh, I thought about the little, um, you know, trivial type things that would be curiosities and whatnot, right. and. Uh, I even thought of one very embarrassing story, but it takes too long to tell. <laughs> Thankfully, huh? <laughs> one thing I would say that I I really enjoy history, and I actually tend to enjoy even the darker side, the grittier side of history, because it provides a uh, a perspective on um, really just sin and evil. Right. Um, listening to things as difficult as. Uh, you know, World War One and Two, going back to you know ancient times, even the Assyrians and what they would do to the people they conquered, and somehow, as odd as that sounds, it's something that I find has really helped me the last few years to have a perspective when you feel like you can't control what's going on, maybe in our own nation or whatnot, mm. that we really don't have it that bad, mm. um, and that the church 
and believers have persevered through far worse things mm-hmm. throughout most of recorded history. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um, and even just understanding God's plan for mankind in the role of um, good and evil and a, a lot of things in there. So maybe just um, having really a I listen to a lot of history, podcasts, okay. uh, read books, um, enjoy those kind of things. All right. So, All right. And guns and ammo are part of your... Uh, uh, Areas of interest, right? They are. They're working on becoming a slightly smaller area of interest. But yes, I actually have to go with someone tomorrow as a member of our church and go pick up a, a pistol that they uh, I suggested to them. We're going to go follow through with that transaction. Uh-huh. All right. They recent purchase. So. All right. All right. Two part question: What's the most challenging part of being an elder, and most enjoyable part of being an elder? Hmm. <clears throat> so the most challenging part is. Um, Keeping up with the needs of, in a broader sense, the church, uh, Kerrville Bible Church, and just being aware of the needs of everyone in the church, and then the more specific needs for those in your shepherding group, and carrying burdens. That was probably um, my time as a deacon, and administering the Agape Fund was a little bit of a taste of that, and... You know, having learning to have empathy and understanding um, people and some challenging things, make some decisions, having to say no a little bit, but really um, taking on the burden of others can be very draining. Um, And I don't want to say stressful because God's the one in charge and in control of all of it, but just having such a care and concern for people that you really feel it when they are struggling or in pain or mm-hmm. sick, uh, going through a stressful time, difficulty. Um, that's, that's one that's uh, it's very challenging. Mm-hmm. And then not, uh, you know, there's a, there's a very strict confidence that we have. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, maintaining that balance of where, you know, you can communicate, you know, to your wife about what's going on, but also not, you know, uh, get into things that are confidential. Mm-hmm. But when you're demonstrating, you know, some stress and some, uh, you know, just feeling down for someone else, um, you know, that can, your spouse knows that and sees it. Right, right. And I think that's an area where we lean on each other, Mm -hmm. you know, as elders, where we can share some of the more things because it's within the circle of the elders and and we can certainly share those kind of things with Mm -hmm. our um, paired up elder um, because we're, we're all... Uh, in a sense, this is something we stress at our church. We're all we're all shepherds. We're all pastors. Some of us are full time. Some of us are mm-hmm. part time. Some of us are paid. Some of us are unpaid. But we're, we're all of our elders are are overseers slash shepherds slash pastors. And so um, it's not it's not a board of directors position mm-hmm. only, or it's not a yeah. administrative position. It's a um, amongst the sheep and caring for people and praying and visits and lunches and counseling and all those things. And so uh, that's, a, that's a big, big deal at Kerrville Bible that we share this ministry, which means we can share these kinds of things together mm-hmm. uh, as elders. So, Well, I've got a few more questions, but I'm going to let these guys jump in and, and ask their one or two questions that they have if it hasn't been covered already. So, Scott, Toby, what you got? Carson, I would ask you, mm-hmm. who have been um, some of the most formative influences in your life mm-hmm. um, spiritually? That, that would be mm-hmm. one question. And then, and then a related question would be, 
what have been some of the books other than the Bible that mm. have been especially impactive, okay. impactful for you uh, on your, your Christian life? Sure, a good question. Well, first, um, my parents kind of alluded to that earlier. Um, my father and I are very much alike, and so he's got particular insight into my strengths and weaknesses and was able to encourage where necessary and um, admonish where necessary. And then my mom, um, being very consistent in her faith, she's one of the most genuinely kind and caring people that I've ever met. And it's, I'm biased, but it's also true. Um, so they, they would be certainly there. Um, had two guys that were very, um, Scott Sullivan, who's actually a missionary, um, and then Chris Legg, that's now a pastor, that were both very involved. I think they may have been seminary student interns mm. in our high school youth group. Okay. That was, those are really some transformative years for my faith and, and uh, growth, and they both really brought me uh, under their wing and discipled and encouraged and trained, and I just look back and give thanks to God for those two for... Uh, what they did during a time that can be really challenging, mm. and you're really wondering, who am I going to be? Who am I right now? You know, peer yeah. pressure and those things, and uh, was really protected during that time and, and taught what was right and given mm. a desire to learn and to grow. Um, and then more recently, uh, people in this church, really, um, Chris, and then even yourselves. So, um, if the different folks in leadership and particularly the other elders in the church knew how much I've learned and seen and grown just from being around all of you. It would, that would be the best answer to your question. So and for the record, you didn't have to say that. Yeah. No, that, there was, that was not under duress. Yeah. Okay. A, completely. A, a just wanted everybody to know that. That's right. Uh, and then books I've read, I mean, I would say, um, I had a guy that was, a <clears throat> had a library. When I look around in this uh, library and I see all the books, his name was Dave Birch. And my dad went to a Bible study of his for many, many years. And when I was home from school and sometimes in high school, I would go in the mornings. And uh, he gave me a book from Francis Schaeffer, and it was the trilogy, um, The God Who Is There, um, Beyond Reason, and He Is There, But He's Not Silent. Yeah. And it was way over my head. Somehow I read enough of it to have a very changed worldview. He's, uh, Francis Schaeffer is very well known for his apologetics in a time of Europe when it was turning into liberalism. And he really fought liberal theology. And that introduced me to um, really just truth and untruth mm. and um, the uh, battle that God's Word fights against, the believers fight against with God's Word um, to have it put in its right place in culture and to rightly divide uh, what's honoring to God and what is against God's character and His Word. I'm impressed that you remember those three titles. Ah. I mean, that's a ways back, right? Yeah. yeah. I still have the book. It's a great, great book. So It's good. You don't remember every book you've ever written? I mean, ever <laughs> Yes. You I do remember. remember. It's, a, it's a short list. <laughs> ever read? Uh, probably not. Uh, going back, we mentioned earlier that you married to Lindsay. How long have mm-hmm. you been married? We've been married for 16 years. Uh, we were married in 2003. Three, uh-oh, maybe that's 17 years. Yeah. She'll help me out with so, this. Close enough. Close <laughs> enough. Can, you, so. can you edit this thing? Is it, it's close yeah, enough. Yeah, yeah. Well, for the right amount of yeah. money. Um, 
So going back to you know when you were what twenty four, twenty five years old, maybe when mm-hmm. uh, what what advice would you give young Carson Conklin on oh, the eve man. of his wedding? Oh, wow! Humility, brokenness. Uh, that would have been a gift, yeah. <laughs> but in God's providence, you learn those things the hard way. Um, mm-hmm. That you don't have to be right all the time. Um, yeah, and selflessness. All those those would have all been good areas of advice. Um, and sticking it through um, through some difficult times. And that uh, you know, marriage is a covenant. And it's through thick and thin, good and bad, and that uh, that God is going to use your spouse in a way that nobody else is usually used for your sanctification, and just to be prepared for that. People tell you those things. We went through some great marriage counseling with a very dear friend, um, and uh, he tried to tell me all of that, and I nodded and smiled, and you know, and then you have to go experience it. So yeah. sure. What did you say the other day? There's no preparation for marriage. No, the only preparation marriage. for marriage is marriage. It's just doing it. That's right. Yeah, it's all theory until the next morning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I realized when I asked my two part question earlier, we didn't, didn't hit get part. Yeah. We didn't get to the the, the good the part. Fun part. The, yeah, yeah, the exactly. enjoyable part of being That's an elder. Right. Oh, um, it, 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 I would say uh, for one thing, it, it caused me to get to know people in the church better to mm-hmm. broaden. Uh, kind of a small group of of peers and people, and really get to know more people. Um, and maybe that happened through teaching, you know, Sunday school classes consistently. Maybe through other things, but um, certainly has increased through being an elder. Mm-hmm. Um, seeing lives changed and people grow in their faith, um, either indirectly, which is more often, or sometimes directly. Um, through your prayers, through efforts, through discipleship, uh, teaching. And then I would say maybe the other thing is a whole different category is the teamwork aspect, working together with like-minded, um, godly men to, in humble prayer, seek the right decisions for the church and to guide and lead the church. Sometimes you find out those some decisions were either wrong or half right, and you make adjustments, and sometimes you see God's hand in leading us in the right way, uh, often do, and um, that's a real um, blessing and an encouragement mm-hmm. as to what biblical eldership is really all about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, that resonates. You know, you talk about growth of people, and uh, we've said before and talked about before that, um, and maybe we got some newer members listening to mm-hmm. this podcast for the first time, and... Um, just want to encourage you with this. We, we really feel strongly that if you will commit to this church mm-hmm. wholeheartedly for two years, mm-hmm. you'll wake up in two years and see your life drastically changed. Absolutely. Especially if you came here from an unhealthy church or a, a poor church or you know, you just haven't had a, a, a lot of growth lately. And and what I love about that statement is that it's the it's the whole church. I mean, we're talking Sunday school classes, home groups, mm-hmm. Sunday mornings, uh, ministry team opportunities, uh, conversations in the foyer. I mean, it's 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 the the music, it's the teaching, it's the everything, you know. And and if a person will kind of get under that waterfall of God's grace, um, there there's a lot of 
uh, a lot He will do in your life. And so uh, I think we've all seen that in your life, life of your family, since you guys have been here. And I just uh, just feel like it's uh, uh, true if people will you know, kind of do their part. So good. Um, what most encourages you, speaking about KBC, what most mm-hmm. encourages you right now about our church? Right now, I would say people's response to um, the consistent preaching and teaching of God's Word and honoring it. Um, and and that that's probably not a surprise to anyone who's here or has been here for any length of time. So maybe let me say something that's a little bit more new in the life of our church, but it's being a singing church mm-hmm. and us um, being so much more comfortable in singing mm-hmm. um, and how uh, just a level of enthusiasm. Uh, I was telling some of these guys that last, um, Chris and Michael Hawkins on Monday, that just this past Sunday, I just looked around in awe of those people in church and... It was just so good to be back together. We had missed mm-hmm. from holidays the previous Sunday, and just the fellowship of the body. Um, I just always think back to Dave Vineyard, and had a very good friendship with him. Wished it had had more time um, to be even deeper, but so many things I've taken from him when he called KBC his tribe. Yeah. Uh, I've just con- continued to see that be so true, um, as these are mm-hmm. our people and. Yeah. They, we have each other's back in prayer and uh, support, and uh, and in love and care, yeah. and uh, just seeing the love that people have for each other and the fellowship of the body. And we've talked about this, but it's really grown through home groups. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen that happen um, in our own family and relationships growing, and and the feedback we've received from people in the body and people in our home group and and whatnot. But. Uh, just all of that kind of coming together, God answering prayer about um, bringing new people here and new members, mm-hmm. and then their level of engagement and involvement. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just been a, been really special and gives you a lot of hope and, and excitement in the future mm-hmm. um, of, of the church body. Yeah. Sunday was special. I, I felt the same mm-hmm. way. Uh, Sunday, just kind of that sense of first Sunday of the year, we're, mm-hmm. we're all back. We'd had the dips in attendance and all of that, and then we just had a had a great turnout. Scott did the part two of his repentance miniseries, and mm-hmm. uh, songs were great. Singing was great. Um, it just seemed like a, a wonderful Sunday, and then we were having, we were having lunch um, you and I and Michael Hawkins on Monday, on Monday mm-hmm. and I thought, and this interesting because you you're on one side of the church over here That's and right. having these sort of feelings of wow, this is great and really heartwarming. And Michael, uh, who's home from seminary for a few weeks, is mm-hmm. on the other side of the church, having very similar feelings and thoughts uh, of just the. It's it's hard to put words to it, but it's just the the kind of the mystic gathering, mm-hmm. you know, the gathering of God's people. Uh, and in one room, in one place, singing and hearing the same message and, and just the specialness of that. Yeah. Uh, and I think yeah. we've all come to appreciate that more. That's right. Yeah, right. That's right. A lot of things that, have posit- that are positive have come out of you know the past several months, and uh, one of them is not taking for granted uh, the ability to meet and gathering. Um, but yeah, I just looked around the room and saw the faces and just put a, a you know, went one by one with families and individuals and some that have been here long before we ever came to the church and others that are that are relatively new and some that are very new and it just 
thought how amazing this is, the different unique personalities, spiritual gifts that all come together uh, to worship God together, to glorify Him, and to function as a complete working body. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, you have something? Did I hear No, it? I was just going to say, I, I suspect in the coming days that, that we're going to find more and more how much we truly cherish mm-hmm. the blessing uh, mm-hmm. that God has bestowed upon this church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, family. Yeah. Um, so you may have touched on some of these things, but in mm-hmm. case there's some loose ends on this question, you can you can tie it up. How mm-hmm. has God used being an elder mm-hmm. in your own growth and sanctification? Mm-hmm. Oh, humility, um, dealing with feeling inadequate, and. Then I would also say uh, time in prayer and the Word. Um, more recently, been um, drawn to Spurgeon's uh, morning by morning and morning devotionals right. and the illustrations that he has that I'm able to remember and carry with me. Um, so really, um, you know, actually, probably to better answer your question, as he used, you know, being an elder. Focusing outside myself and my own immediate needs, mm-hmm. family, and my absolute, you know, my actual self, and caring and having concern for other people um, has been freeing, mm-hmm. um, rewarding, challenging, um, and learning empathy. That's another thing. Um, good for your soul. Good for my soul. Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, just how all that works together with really. I uh, kind of skipped over this with the testimony part, but you know, growing up in a Bible church, I really didn't think I would have understood the doctrines of grace um, better, but it didn't really sink in until the Together for the Gospel Conference that we went to in 2014, mm-hmm. the spring of 2014. I remember. And uh, I think it might have been Dever, Mark Dever, that painted a picture of Paul in this drowning sea of sinners and being plucked at. Now, you recently used the analogy of being drowned at the bottom of the mm-hmm, pool, which right. I think is more accurate. <laughs> but that moment in time, it really sunk in that God was not lucky to have me and <laughs> that I didn't choose him. It was the other way around. And it really began to take hold right. of that understanding of sovereign grace Um and that's just continued on through the eldership process and having to be selfless, having to consider the needs of others, the the needs of the body as a whole, mm-hmm. when some people want one thing and some another and having to rightly divide and um, see what God would do. Just to, I'd say, some maturity yeah. in all that. Yeah. So. Amen. Amen. Well, brother, we love you. We're thankful you're an elder and at Kerrville Bible your family. Um, You have uh, been a great blessing to our elder board. I know I speak for these other two guys on that. And, uh, you know, we look forward and hope, Lord willing, that uh, this continues for a long time. Right. uh, until Jesus comes, right? Absolutely. That'd be good. Yeah. Sooner <laughs> That'd rather be than later would <laughs> be fantastic. Yes. All right. Let me close this in a word right. prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you today for Kerrville Bible Church. We thank you for the shepherds you've raised up in this place, and particularly for Carson Conklin and his wife, Lindsay, and his family. Lord, thank you for bringing them here and the work you've done in their life and their faith, growing and stretching and, and changing and transforming. And, and Lord, even uh, what you have in store for them as the days roll ahead. And we pray that you would uh, bless them. We pray that you would use them 
mightily. We would ask that you'd work uh, greatly in the lives of their three children, that they would come to a full uh, understanding and trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And uh, Father, just that uh, Carson's ministry of teaching and shepherding would be one that honors you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Kerrville Bible Church Podcast. In future episodes, we would like to answer your biblical, theological, or pastoral questions. Send them to us via email at questions at kerrvillebiblechurch.org or leave us a text or voicemail at 830-321-0349.